Amen. Oh, thank you to our musicians for leading us in such joyful praise this morning. And uh, let me just pray for us as we begin, uh, as we open God's Word. Lord, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, open our hearts to receive what you have for us in your Word today. And we pray it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One little housekeeping. Is it turn, it's turned up? We have a new microphone because our other one was on the fritz. So I, can, I don't think I can get it much closer. Is that better? I can get it closer. There we go. And can you guys check the live stream to make sure this is coming through the live stream too? Sorry, a little housekeeping for us. The title of today's message is Inspired by the Spirit. Inspired by the Spirit. The question of the day is this, how can I understand or how can we understand the Bible? How can we understand it? Sometimes if you're like me, the Bible can be confusing. It can be hard to understand. You can read it and it can be very mysterious. There's good news for you. You are not alone, <laughs> okay? That's why we have this question today. How can we understand the Bible? We've been pulling back the curtain on who God is. And we, we, we looked back in March at God the Father and in April, God the Son, and now in May, God the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Spirit does is helps us to understand the Bible. And so that's what our uh, Scripture is about today. That is what God is going to teach us from His Word. Amen? Amen. Now, how can we understand the Bible? Let me tell you a story. I, I, I heard about a woman who was struggling with relationships. You guys know any men or women like that? Struggling with relationships. Struggling, and not just struggling with relationships, but struggling with God. Because she was wondering if God would ever give her a man. If God would ever give her a husband. And so, she prayed, and she grabbed her Bible, and she opened up to a random spot in the Bible, and she ceremoniously lifted her finger and pointed wherever it landed. And this verse happened to be the verse that she landed on, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your King is coming to you! Righteous and having salvation is He, humble and mounted on a donkey. And she knew at that moment that God had answered her prayer. That her King was coming to her. She interpreted this Scripture that she randomly opened the Bible and pointed to as fulfilling or as a direct answer to her prayer. Now she just needed to be on the lookout for a man riding a donkey. Is this how we're supposed to understand the Bible? The short answer, I hope you already know, is no. No. The Bible is not a crystal ball. Say it with me. The Bible is not a crystal ball. The Bible is not a fortune cookie. The Bible is not 
a fortune cookie. But if we're honest, sometimes we treat it that way, don't we? I have been guilty of opening my Bible to some random spot and pointing and seeing how God would answer my prayer. And maybe you have too. And I want to let you know, that's okay. This is hard. This is hard. How can we understand the Bible? The answer to that question is very simple. We can only understand the Bible with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can only understand the Bible with the help of the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's a really good reason for that. The really good reason for that is that the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's His book. It is His Word. It is God's very Word. And so we need to, to define that word inspired. Before we do anything else, the title of the message is Inspired by the Spirit, right? But what does that word mean, inspired? Today, uh, we use that word in this way. We will say, I was inspired to write a short story. Or, I got up and I was inspired and I, and I did spoken word. Or, I was inspired and I, and I wrote a song. We use the word inspired today to mean a sudden creative impulse. Right? I was inspired to do something. I, I had a sudden creative impulse to do something. But that is not the way that the Bible uses the word inspired. This is where we deal with some of our translations, especially the older ones, the King James in specific. The King James Bible is, what, 500 years old? For 16, when is it? 16 something. So 400 years old? Y'all, my math is bad. Anyway, the King James Bible is, is using English from a different time. And so it's easy for us to get words that are used in the King James Bible, and we bring our modern meaning into them, but what we, and that's why we study Greek and Hebrew as pastors, so we can understand what the, what the meaning of the word is apart from the English translation 400 years ago. Okay? That's important. That's my job. That's why I went to seminary school and, and learned how to read the Bible, how to read these words, how to understand them. So the word inspired does not mean a sudden creative impulse. It means something different. And the answer is found in the verse that actually uses that word in the King James. And I'm going to read it for you again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In the King James it says, all Scripture is inspired by God. But in all modern translations, it says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word, work. Now before you think I'm bashing on the KJV, I'm not. 400 years ago, that word inspired meant breathed out by God. Okay, so it had a different meaning. The English word had a different meaning back then. But today, we understand that it means breathed out by God, or some of your Bibles might say God-breathed. And that word breathe is where we get the word spiration, right? Spiration is that word breathe. 
And so it means, when we say the Scripture is inspired by God, that the very words of the Bible, that the very words of the Scripture are spoken by God. They are the very words of God. And when the Apostle Paul writes and he says, all Scripture is God-breathed, What is he talking about? All Scripture. Well, he means something very specific. He's talking about the 39 books of the Old Testament. He's referring to the 39 books of the Old Testament, which were considered inspired Scripture or God-breathed Scripture. In addition to that, the teaching of Jesus' apostles was considered inspired Scripture. Even as they spoke the Word, it was considered inspired by God. And then when it was written down so that the next generation could have the apostles' teaching, it was inspired by God to the very Word. And so what we have here is a reference to the entire Bible, the Old Testament Bible, which was Jesus' Bible, and the New Testament Bible, which is together with the Old Testament, our Bible, 66 books inspired by God. Now, some people will tell you that the Bible was created by Constantine 400 years after Christ. All right, that is historically inaccurate. In fact, and I'm not going to get into the weeds of this right now because this summer we're talking about the Bible all summer, and how do we read it? How do we understand it? We're going deep into it. But I want to just say this, that in the New Testament itself, the New Testament authors refer to New Testament Scripture as Scripture, okay? Multiple times. So within the New Testament, which is the first century, long before Constantine, the Bible was considered the Bible, okay? It's there. I can show you where it says Scripture, referring to the New Testament and not just the Old Testament. So Paul here says all Scripture is inspired by God, Old Testament and New Testament, the prophets and the apostles, all right? And so we have this gospel, scripture, message, the letters of Paul, the letters of John and Peter. And here's Peter and his description of how this worked. Because you kind of want to go, well, how does that work exactly? How were they inspired by the Spirit? Well, he answers this for us in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16, and then verses 20 and 21, where Peter says this, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. Now, why is he saying that? Because people were accusing him, (laughs) probably, of creating cleverly devised myths. All right, but he says, no, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were, what, eyewitnesses eyewitnesses of His majesty, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. They didn't just make it up. They didn't just think, oh, this sounds good. They weren't inspired in the modern sense. But they were inspired by the Spirit in the biblical sense. Because then he says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit dictated every word of the Bible. But what it means is that the Holy Spirit guided 
these human authors in their human context, in their historical context, to write down the very Word of God. And that's incredible. That God guided historical processes and people in order to communicate His Word. And because it's God-breathed, that means it is without error. And that means that it is without inconsistency. And any inconsistency we think we see is not a real inconsistency. And so, the Holy Spirit inspired the Scripture. And the apostles were commissioned by Jesus to be His eyewitnesses. And that is why there are no apostles today. Now, I know some churches call their pastors apostle, but they don't mean capital A, apostle. They're using the word differently. They're using it to mean someone who is sent out. And that's legit. That's legit. But there are no apostles that are alive today in the original sense of the word. Okay? Because the apostles were eyewitnesses of Jesus. And so when they died, there were no more eyewitnesses. Right? Because to be an eyewitness, you had to what? You had to be there. Right? And so you had to be there. And that's why the New Testament is closed. And that's why the Apostle John, who was the last apostle to die, that's why he wrote the book of Revelation. And at the very end of it, he said, i got to warn you, don't add or take away from this book. Don't add or take away from... In other words, I'm the last living witness. The last living apostle and when this is done, it's done, and the, and the, the rule of faith, the, the Scripture is complete. And so if anyone claims today to have a word from the Lord, they're probably just inspired in the modern sense. But they're not inspired in the original sense of being God-breathed. Because if they were, we would have to pay very close attention to what they said. And if we disobeyed what they said, we would be sinning. No one has that authority today. No one has that authority today. Because no one today is an eyewitness. Right? No one today is a living eyewitness. That's the key. All right. Now, if the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture and all of the eyewitnesses are gone, does that mean that the Holy Spirit is taking a nap? Does that mean that the Holy Spirit is just chilling somewhere, drinking coffee? Good coffee. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Uh, the answer is no. The Holy Spirit is finished inspiring the Scripture, okay? Because the Scripture is written. The prophetic word and the apostolic word is complete, but the Holy Spirit is not taking a nap. In fact, the Bible is not only inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, where the Apostle Paul is talking about the gospel message of Jesus Christ in verse 10, where he says, These things. The message about Jesus and Him crucified and risen from the grave. 
These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. And this is the key, listen, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And so that deposit of God's Word has been made. The, the, the Old and the New Testament, it has been given, freely given to us, and now we can understand it because we have the Spirit who wrote it. Amen? We are indwelled as believers by the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible through these authors of Scripture over several millennia. We have the very same Spirit, and so that is how we can understand the Bible, because the Holy Spirit helps us to grasp the message and the meaning of the Bible. When we read the Bible, brothers and sisters, we read with spiritual eyes. We read with spiritual eyes, not perfectly, no, but we have access to the Spirit who illuminates the Bible and helps us to understand mysteries that were hidden long ago. I want to take you to another scripture today. Normally I'm only in like one scripture, but I'm all over the place today. This is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And after Jesus had appeared to his disciples and after he had given physical proof that he was, a, that he was actually in the body, that he was alive in the body, risen from the grave, he appeared to his disciples he proved it. He, he, he has a, he, they had a fish fry. And Jesus was hanging out with the apostles after he had been dead in the grave for three days. And he's eating fish with them. I think probably fried, fried, no, it was broiled fish, but maybe it was fried fish. And then he not only appeared to them, but he began to speak to them and to reveal to them things that were mysteries that had been long hidden. Look with me at chapter 24 of Luke, verses 44 and 45. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still present with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that's the Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then, listen to this, He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. It says Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And then a few verses later, I'm not going to read it, but He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to do that for you. A few verses later, He says, and I'm going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so now we have Jesus who has sent His Spirit to indwell us to do the same thing. To open our eyes, to give us understanding of the Scripture, of the Word of God the inspired Word of God. And I want you to think about the fact that these disciples who were with Jesus, these men and women, had been exposed to the Bible their whole lives. I mean, they grew up in church, y'all. They knew the Bible. They went to Sunday school. They knew the Scripture very well. And they had spent three or four years with Jesus, the best teacher of them all. And there were still things they didn't see. 
there were still things they didn't get. Why? Because Jesus had to open their eyes. Jesus had to open their eyes. They had missed the central message of the entire Bible, which is this. Jesus would fulfill every prophecy. Jesus would be the one that we were all looking for. The law, the prophets, the Psalms. Jesus says, all of that was about me. All of it was about me. And so in, 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 in this moment where Jesus is lifting the fog, He's saying, it's all about me, brothers and sisters. Everything that you think you know, I want you to, I want you to go and look at it again. I want you to see it for the first time. I want to show you a piece of art. And I was reminded that I've used this illustration before, but I know some of you haven't seen it. So this is a piece of art that um, hung in or was displayed in my house growing up. This piece of art uh, was a wedding gift that someone gave my parents. And I think they were maybe short-term missionaries down in Panama. And so this was actually crafted and created uh, by the indigenous artisans in Panama uh, back in the 70s, probably. And so um, it's old, y'all. It's old. But as, as I was growing up, this was displayed on the wall and then maybe on the uh, mantle of our house. And I remember as a kid always looking at it and thinking that it was kind of funny, that the, the, the markings were probably some kind of uh, hieroglyphics. And, uh, and, I, and I thought that most of my childhood. <laughs> and one day, I don't know, when I was 12 or 13 probably, I was looking at it and my dad asked me if I could see the hidden word. Raise your hand if you can see the hidden word. Okay, not everyone. All right. My dad said, can you see the hidden word? And I stared at it. I looked at it. And he said, look between the markings and you'll see the word. And suddenly, my eyes were opened and I could see it clearly. And now I can't unsee it. It says, Jesus. Do you see it? Everybody see it now? It's, it's the in between the, okay, I got to spell it out. <laughs> it's in between the markings. It says Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus had been there all along. Jesus had been there all along. And I think that is, I think that's how it felt to the, to the disciples when Jesus said, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, they're all speaking about me. And suddenly their minds were open and they could see that Jesus was there all along. That He was there all along and they had missed it. They had missed it and then suddenly they could see that everything in the Scripture was really about Jesus. Everything in the Scripture was really pointing forward to Him. Suddenly, the entire Bible came alive. He is the Word of God. Amen? He is the Word of God. All Scripture is about revealing Jesus. And I know the Scripture can appear to be a boring book. I know it can appear to be an, an ancient collection of stories and myths and fairy tales. And a lot of people look at it that way. And maybe you do too still. 
But the good news is that it's not up to you to figure it out. God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that at the moment we believe in Jesus and we put our trust in Him for our salvation, He he has given us His Holy Spirit who then opens our eyes and helps us to see what has been there all along. So how can we get it? How can we understand it? How can we understand the Bible? The first thing I would say is this. Don't overthink it. Don't don't overthink it. You know, when you look at this, it just kind of looks like hieroglyphics. Right? It it just kind of looks confusing. And that's how the Bible can look to us. And we can approach the Bible sometimes that way. We can approach the Bible as if we have to figure out the secret code. In fact, there are books uh, written called Cracking the Code of the Bible. Do not buy those books. They are misguided. All right? They're misguided. People say, you need to look at the numbers in the Bible and figure out the numerology. No! The Bible is not a code to crack. The Bible is the Word of God written plainly to communicate God's will to us and to communicate Jesus to us, okay? It's not some, it's not a, you don't need to decode a ring to figure out the Bible. You just need to read it as it's written and have the Holy Spirit help you to see Jesus in it, to understand God's will in it. So don't overthink it. That's the first thing I would say, okay? Don't overthink it. Don't think you have to figure, you have to have some kind of decoder ring to figure out the Bible, We can understand the meaning of the Bible as we understand why it was originally written. Like, ask yourself the question, what did it mean to the first people who got this? What did it mean to them? And that's where you, that's where you get the meaning. That's where you get the understanding. That's where the Spirit can show you this was actually pointing to Jesus, perhaps. Or this was pointing to something that you need to do or believe. So we don't want to overthink it. And then second, we want to ask for the Spirit's help. Because even though the meaning is plain, right? I mean, you can't unsee it. Once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Once the, even though the meaning is plain, we still need the Spirit's help to really see it, to really understand it, to really apply it to our lives. And the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, will open your mind to understand. But you do have to ask. You have to pray and say, Lord, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to see. Every time you open the Bible, even if you're going to crack it open and point, which I don't really recommend, but you can do that. It's it's all God's Word, amen? However you're going to read the Bible, ask the Spirit to give you understanding. Ask the Spirit to give you understanding understanding. What is the message? What is the message? Show me the message. Ask for help. So don't overthink it. Ask for the Spirit's help. And I want to conclude by uh, going back to the story that I told you at the very beginning. Okay, let's go back. Let's rewind. Go back to the story at the very beginning about the woman who was feeling sad and lonely it could be a man feeling sad and lonely. Men, are, men can feel sad and lonely too, right? But in my story, uh, she was feeling quite desperate, 
feeling like God had left her in the dark, feeling like God was not answering her prayer for a husband. And so she opened her Bible to a random spot, and she pointed to the verse, Zechariah 9, verse 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. Now, instead of interpreting that the way she did, which was to say God was answering her specific request by saying, your king is coming to you. I just need to look for someone riding a donkey. Let's imagine that she took a moment and said, Holy Spirit, I'm frustrated. I need understanding. I need to understand what is the meaning of this. What is the meaning of this? And and perhaps... Because she knows that all Scripture is inspired by God, she's read more than just this one verse. And perhaps she knows that in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of John, that this Scripture is quoted. That this Scripture, in fact, is quoted to show that it is fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus is the King, righteous and having salvation, who in fact did mount a donkey and ride into Jerusalem where He would not be exalted to the throne, but where He would be exalted and lifted up on a cross to die. A humble King. And so even opening the Bible and pointing to a random verse understood by the Spirit's guidance, understood by all of Scripture, she would see that this is really about Jesus. And so, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, she would know, as a follower of Jesus, that she's adopted into the family. And she would know that this would speak to her that I am a daughter of the King. And so that feeling of loneliness and bitterness and being left out, she would be filled with the love of God in this Scripture. Because it says rejoice greatly, so even though I'm suffering, even though I don't understand why I don't have a husband, I can rejoice. I can have joy because Jesus has come. He is my King. I can rejoice greatly. I'm a daughter of the, of the, of the God of heaven. I'm a loved child. And yes, I'm sad. Yes, I'm disappointed. But I can rejoice. Because this is gospel good truth for me. Not that some dude is going to show up in my life. Because some dude can never fulfill me like I need to be fulfilled. And look what it says. It says, Behold, your King is coming to you righteous and having salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey. He is a humble king. He is a humble king who went to a cross. And so nobody can do nobody can do me like Jesus. Amen? Nobody can do me like Jesus. Well, we, we need to sing that song. Right? Nobody can do me like Jesus. He is my king. He is my husband. And in him, I don't need a man or woman to make me happy. I'm already happy. I'm reading the Scripture and I'm already happy. I'm already fulfilled. I'm already loved. My King has already come and He's a wonderful Savior. 
And he's a humble king. And he's a faithful husband. His name is Jesus. And he has been there all along. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is inspired. That it is God-breathed. And that because it's God-breathed, we can trust every word. And God, we thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit to indwell the hearts of everyone who believes. That there is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. But we all have the same Spirit. And so Lord, we thank you that because the Spirit dwells in us, we can open your word and we can have understanding. And we can apply it truthfully to our lives. Thank you, God, that we don't need some code ring or crystal ball to figure out what the Bible means, but we can read the plain meaning of it and that you will speak and interpret to us what it means. And Lord, thank you that you've called us together so that together we can share with one another our understanding of the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to come to you to ask for your help as we open the Word. And Lord, that you would feed us, feed our spirits each and every day as we open your word, as we meditate, as we think and consider what you're saying and what you have said. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you have been there all along. Lord, give us eyes to see and a mind to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.